if you don't know me, my name is Jason. Welcome. Glad to have you here. I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and uh, it is great to get to be together today. If you want to go with me to Philippians chapter 3, that's where we're going to be in our Bibles, in your Bible app. Uh, you can get there now, and we'll carry on this kind of uh, two-part message, right? So we're in a series called Choose Joy, and last week we leaned really heavy one direction into the grace of God and how important that is and how we cannot just earn God's love, that we don't, we don't put effort into forcing God to love us, care for us. Instead, as like I, I quoted out of uh, verse 8 and 9 earlier, all that we do to try to say, look at me, the accolades that we could earn, those things are worth nothing. They're garbage, Paul says, compared to the grace that God wants to give us. So we leaned really heavy into that way. We're going to do the opposite today. We are going to lean pretty heavy into how we act and behave and what we do, but that doesn't negate last week. So I'm going to give you a disclaimer on the front end like we did last week, that if you just take this message, you could walk into some difficult and wrong areas of life. It is a balance that grace begins to work in our lives and that activates action and steps that we take and things that we do. We don't do those things to earn God's love or earn God's grace. It's because God works in us that his grace then flows out in new and different actions, okay? And we ended last week with Paul in verse 10 talking about his goal is to know Jesus deeper, closer, a greater connection with Jesus, to experience his resurrection and to be close. And that's that goal that we're going to push towards today. And in verse 12, he says, not that I have already obtained all this. He hasn't obtained, he hasn't finished this goal. He hasn't gotten so close to God that he's just in nirvana and done and he's just going to disappear and float away on clouds to be in heaven. He says, I haven't arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So first things first, he says, listen, I'm not there yet. I still have a lot of work to do in my spiritual growth, in my relationship with God to get there. But he has a plan to get there as we're going to walk through. But his, his direction here is for progress, not perfection. Okay? Progress, not perfection. None of us in this room will ever reach a spot where we hit perfection in our relationship with Jesus. Ladies, I know some of you, you think your husbands are pretty close. <laughs> Good, you got that. That was sarcasm. Good. None of us ever get close to that. We're not there. This is something that we must consistently always take steps to grow in. Right? It's progress. It's a plan to take steps, but we don't get to perfection. And that is okay. We continually take steps to walk after what God has for us but we never graduate from spiritual growth. And just to lean into this as we talk about actions throughout this morning, it can't become a religious thing where like I'm trying to earn God's favor. That's not how we get there. Paul's imagery and language throughout is, is similar to that of like an athlete in training. He says, I press on 
towards the goal. Later he said, I'm straining, I'm striving. He uses, I press on again multiple times throughout these verses. And it's, it's similar to that of an athlete training and preparing to grow. Now, if you follow any sport, it doesn't matter which sport, most of those, or all of those athletes that make it into like the professional levels, they have, they have been from birth born with gifts and abilities that are above anything that most of us could ever attain to. They have skills. But there is a reason that even with all of those skills, that sometimes they get to the professional level and then they fail, they fall out, they falter, they can't stay at that level. It's that they might have the gifts given to them, but then the gifts always require some extra work on top of it. Just because we get grace doesn't mean we don't have steps to take to follow after Jesus and who he calls us to be. And so in the same way for us, as God calls us and gives us grace, there are steps that come out. Look at what he says. He says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And if you've said yes to Jesus as Lord, or, or later as we do baptisms, if you've already been baptized, then Christ Jesus has already taken a hold of you. He's grabbed onto your life. He's called you out. He's highlighted you and said, I've got a mission for you to be on, just as Paul has, just as I have in my own life. And when God begins to call you out to work, then hopefully there is a response within you to take some steps. Remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Jamie had that kind of like stepladder thing that had all of the, all the, Zach Cowell just, We'll, we'll stop. It'll, it'll be okay. Lo siento, no traducion. I can't, I can't even try to make it happen. So, well, I'm sorry. I apologize. We'll have it ready for you next week. It'll be working. So, um, last week, Pastor Jamie had that kind of stair step thing and, and those Greek words. And, and the point of that was talking about how Jesus, fully God, took all those steps down, ultimately to death on a cross, to start that relationship with us, that he called us out. And if Jesus has done all of that in your life, the appropriate response then is for you and I to begin taking some steps, some action, some walking out. Yes, we get grace, but we don't get given grace by God just so we can sit back and chill, just so we can sit back and relax. When God puts a calling in your life, when, as Paul says, Christ Jesus takes a hold of you, that leads you to do new things. I've been coming to this church actually since I was in high school, and um, my senior year is when, if you've been around long enough, when Hurricane Charlie came in 2004, and uh, all of a sudden we were out of school for a few weeks, and so I just spent all of my time up here. This building had power, we were serving, we were blessing people, we were giving things away, and, and throughout those two weeks, I felt this kind of moment where Christ Jesus started taking hold of me, started reshaping what would happen in my life, that my future wouldn't just be about me and my dreams and my visions, that instead, my future would be about what Jesus had for me. And so since then, there's been this pressing on, as Paul said, these steps to take, not, not towards perfection, just to, to grow, to have progress, to get closer with God, but those steps come out of his grace of beginning to work 
in my life. And I know that that can become overwhelming, that it can seem like too much, like I've got to get a perfect life, like I've got to sort out all of these things in my life so I can take steps to follow after Jesus. But let me tell you that when he calls, when he takes hold of you, he doesn't grab you and say, all right, be perfect and go and figure it out. He grabs you and says, all right, we're going to walk together through this life. We're going to walk together into all that God has for you to go. We don't walk alone. Instead, when we're walking in God's direction, we're walking with him. And that should bring you some great joy to know that you don't have to figure it out. That as his grace works, we just take one step after another in the direction that he's leading. Paul says, I press on for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Do you have a vision in your life for what God has called you to? A vision in your life for how God wants to use you? It could be something, you know, at work. Maybe, maybe, let me give you something if you don't have anything. Let me just give you a thought. Maybe it could be something as simple as tomorrow, the holiday, while you're just hanging out at home or whatever, maybe God will put a neighbor or a friend on your heart. And maybe he'll take hold of you tomorrow or today to say, go talk to this person. It could be something as simple as that. Say, hey, I want to use you to bring my grace, my joy, my comfort to someone else. And when he does that, I'd love to tell you that in that moment, you'll be filled with his grace and strength and boldness and ready to just run over and bang on their door and say, hey, I've got this great word from... Usually it takes a lot of steps to get there. Usually you have to take a few steps and you don't feel God's grace and you're walking up to the door like, God, I don't have anything to say. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm ringing the doorbell and oh God, I hope they're not home because I don't know what I'm going to do when they open that door. <laughs> don't lie. That would be some of you. Come on now. Come on. But they open that door and you know what happens in that moment? If it's something that God has brought you to, God will start speaking through you. Amen. He'll give you some words of encouragement, some words of grace, some words of comfort. You never know where somebody else is at in their world, but God sees them and he'll often use us. But you gotta take some steps. That's where that grace starts showing up. Not beforehand, but in the doing, that's when God's grace often starts to flow. Now let me pause and uh, connect with some of you that are our elders that I know you've been doing this for a long time, right? Paul in another place says, do not grow weary of doing good. It's easy to spend 20, 30, 40, 50 years pressing on and to start feeling tired, start feeling worn out. But our heart for you at this church would be that you would never feel like it's somebody else's time. Like you've graduated beyond or just let somebody younger. Listen, I've grown up under a lot of you and I'm really thankful for those of you that are elders that have loved me and cared for me and walked with me for 20 years as we've been down here in Florida. And our younger crowd will always need those who have gone before us. You cannot get tired of doing good. You cannot get weary of pressing on. I know sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes it takes a lot to press after all that God has for you. But if we stop we don't ever drift closer to Jesus. We don't ever drift into good things. We don't ever drift into a deeper relationship with God. That, to get there, requires some pressing on, requires some relationship, requires us to take steps to follow after him.
keeping in that kind of imagery that Paul has of this, this athlete training and preparing, I want you to think of it like running a race. And some of you, maybe you've been running for a while. But you know what you don't do in a race? You don't get three quarters of the way through and then start to jog. Is that a good, is that a good strategy? Even if you're winning, is that a good strategy? No, you can't let up. You can't let up because somebody else will come and pass you, right? If you see a movie and the ending is terrible, how was the movie? Terrible. How something ends really matters. And in our lives, it's the same, that how we finish our stories really matter. And if you're older, man, let me just implore you, keep going, keep running, keep doing the steps that God calls you to because our church needs you. We can't ever drift. We can't ever step back because when God calls, he gives grace for us to press forward, to press on. I love having people around this church who are doing just that. Uh, you know, we have a couple, they were online last service, Rick and Edna in South Carolina. And um, Rick, when I first met him a decade ago, was driving a box truck, delivering groceries and uh, other things like that, breads and stuff to people in need and nonprofits. And I, just as the years stacked on physically, he couldn't do that, but still wanted to serve God. And so he's kind of transitioned. He's in his 80s, but he's running a like text message prayer ring figured out how to use the iPhone, figured out how to make it happen, and regularly text prayers out to hundreds of pastors. Every Saturday, Rick texts me, and I'm sure many others, hundreds of others. Rick is Kim's father, if you've heard other stories about him, Pastor Kim's father. Texts me every Saturday, verses that God has laid on his heart, prayers that he's praying for me. We text back and forth yesterday a few times about it. He knew I was preaching. And then this morning, he texts me another word from God, a different verse and another encouragement. And, and he is still push, pressing forward, pushing in to Jesus. Physically, he can't do all that he once did, but he said, I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna let that slow me down. I'm gonna keep on finding ways to press on and to bless those who are around me. This is who we are. This is what we do, that we continue to serve and bless and care for others. Paul says, not that I've already obtained all this or arrived at my goal, but I press on to take a hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, one thing, one thing. Often God will give you direction in one way. He won't scatter shot you in 800 different places. What's the one thing that God's calling you into, and it's always going to be something forward-facing. He says, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I, when the Bible says something like forgetting what is behind or talks about how God forgets our sin, that doesn't mean that God has an amnesia moment. That doesn't mean that he, you say, you ask for forgiveness, and he all of a sudden just washes it out and will never see it again. It's, that means that what happens, those things that are forgiven or those things that are forgotten, 
as Paul says, that they no, have, they no longer have the ability to impact or influence our lives or our standing with God. So I know as you kind of look back over your past, or even just as you go about your life, or you wake up in the middle of the night and you start randomly thinking about that one stupid thing you said 18 years ago to that one random stranger that has never thought about it again, except it's keeping you awake right now. Those moments, they come up, they happen. Things, you, your life may have been really difficult in the past. Maybe you've made some bad decisions at times, and those things may have hindered you for a season. But Paul says, one thing I do, I forget what is behind and I strain towards what is ahead. On the last day of school, my daughter, who's nine, broke her arm. She was at PE. She ran into a friend. He fell down one way into the grass and was perfectly fine. She fell down the other way, landed on the sidewalk, broke her wrist. Had to get a cast, all that. So we just got her cast taken off on Wednesday. And her first, her first response was, it feels like I have no bone in my arm. She, the, cast, the cast that had been supporting it, it was gone. And what, what had been strengthening her was gone. And she spent the rest of the day with her arm kind of close in, huddled away from things, protecting it, unsure of whether or not she could use it, afraid of what would happen if she tried to do something. We didn't just cut the cast off at the house with the grinder out in the garage and say, all right, you're probably good to go. No, we were at the, the place. They took it off. They, uh, they x-rayed it. They showed her the x-ray and said, hey, you're good to go. What has hurt you has been healed, and you can live normally again. But her first response was to keep protecting, was to shy away, was to let what had at one point been an injury continue to affect how she lived. But Paul says, when you come before God, and you get your forgiveness, and you get washed clean, that stuff can't impact your future anymore, right? When we do baptisms later today, and we've got kids getting baptized, we've got a family that's getting baptized, when we do these baptisms, and we put you under the water and raise you in Christ's likeness, that's a moment where God's blood, as we took that communion, washes over you. And God says, I don't see that past anymore. It's not going to influence how I look at you. I see Jesus in you. And if God is saying that to you, if you've been baptized or you took communion this morning, in those moments when God starts saying that to you, how foolish is it for us then to say, well, I have these old things in my past and I'm going to let them impact me. And God says, no, no, no. I don't, I don't let them impact you. I don't, I'm not holding them against you. Listen, I know it can be difficult to move on from things in the past, right? Paul doesn't say, I forget what is behind and easily wander forward into the future. He says, I forget what is behind and I am straining, I am working hard to go towards what is ahead. It takes effort. It takes work. You might have to go apologize to somebody. You might have to forgive someone. You might have to change some bad habits, but there's grace in those moments. And as we do those things and get forgiveness from God, we've got to leave them behind. So that way we can go forward without them impacting us. That's the easy side to see, forgetting in the past the hard things. But I've known some people whose lives have been derailed by the good things in the past. 
right? It's easy, it can become easy to sit around and remember back then and back when and all that God used to do and all that God has done. And it was a great season. Sometimes our, our own uh, movement, Vineyard, we've, we've worked through this. There was a season where it was a lot of like remembering back to what God did in the 80s and 90s. It's like, no, what is God up to today? And in the same way that we can't let the negative from the past influence us, We've got to sometimes move on from the good things in the past and say, all right, God, I want to see you do something new in this moment. I want to see you do something new in my life. Paul says, one thing that I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. We're going to talk in a second about what is ahead, but first we've got to ask, what is God doing now? Is he active in your life? Has he captured you? As verse 12 said, then you start to forget what's behind and look towards the future. I love our dinner church service because we have a lot of people that serve and help that make dinner church happen that don't, they don't have to do that, right? Deborah, who helps kind of run all of that, she's, uh, she's a staff member for us, but she's not paid, right? Deborah works 20 plus hours a week, not paid, doesn't need to be paid. Things have been good in the past. And so I was talking to her yesterday about why she would spend all of her free time doing that. So that's what I love to do. I just want to bl- be there for other people. God has captured her and called her into this, this way of loving and caring for people. And she said, all right, I'm going to forget what's in the past. I'm not going to just sit back and relax because things have been good. I'm going to go after caring for and blessing other people. About a decade ago, a couple named Bob and Sue moved back to Cape Coral for one reason, dinner church. They could have, they had the means, they could have lived anywhere in the world, but they chose wonderfully lovely Cape Coral so that on Thursday nights, they could come up here and pour tea into cups for people who were in need. Because they said, life's been great, but there's more that God wants to do right now. And rather than just sitting back and retiring and thanking Jesus that he died so I could have this wonderful retirement. I want to be engaged in what God is doing around me. And now there's nothing wrong with retiring. There's nothing wrong with relaxing. There's nothing wrong with going home and taking a nap today, taking the day off tomorrow and enjoying your family. But when God calls us to take some steps, that's when we've got to move. That's when we've got to be willing to be active, to step into what could be easy or difficult things. Paul says, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press on towards knowing Jesus. The prize is Jesus. And he says, I'm going after him. With Jesus comes the kingdom and all the blessings that God has for us. And Paul says, I am going after, I'm chasing after all that God would do in my life. It takes work, right? Again, I press hard. And when we press through these moments, it's hard work, but if it's what God is leading you to, it should be bringing you joy as well because we have a future that is full of hope. I want to close with Matthew chapter 13. 
and a parable that Jesus tells that kind of gets us in line with this kind of thought. In Matthew 13, Jesus says this, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. So it's a little bit different but similar kind of line of thinking here. As Jesus says, this is what it's like to chase the prize, if I can pull Paul's language in. That when you find it, you go and sell all that you have because that prize is worth more than anything else in your life. So I remind you of last week's message that all Paul says, all I've done, all I've accomplished is rubbish, is garbage compared to knowing Jesus. And Jesus says in Matthew 13 that knowing him, it's like a treasure hidden in the field. And when a man found it, what is that moment? That's a moment of grace, right? That in his looking that he finds this treasure, that's a moment of God's grace showing up. But the man doesn't just say, wow, that's amazing. Let me just kind of camp out here and see what happens. No, he doesn't just say, all right, that was an awesome experience. I had a really good hour. Let me go on about my own plans. No, it says, when the man found it, he went and sold all he had. So now you have the effort, the, the pressing in part towards Jesus. He found the field, that's the grace, and then he sold all that he had so that he could go and buy that field. There are two sides to this, that we receive God's grace, and then that, that grace activates actions out of us, that I would then go take some steps to follow after him, to chase after all that he wants to do in my life. But I love that there's a little piece in the middle, too, in that verse. The man finds the field. He hides it. He finds the treasure in the field. He hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all that he had so that he could buy the field. Why would he have joy over that? Why would that bring joy? What is the field worth? Everything. Everything. The field is worth more than all that he has. Paul in verse 14 says, I press on towards the prize, which is Christ Jesus, that he is worth more than everything that you could ever accomplish on your own. That he is worth more, knowing him is worth more than anything I could ever do in my own strength. I could work and strive and just do all that I could in my own, and it would be a failure, except for if it's in his grace, if it's to point me to be closer to Jesus. Then that field and that treasure is worth everything because it's getting to know Jesus, it's getting to grow with Jesus, and that brings great joy. It might be difficult, right? I'm sure for that guy selling everything that he owned, that's a difficult thing. In Paul's language, pressing on is a difficult thing. But it is always worth it because the prize of knowing Jesus is greater than any prize, any blessing, anything that you or I could ever attain on our own. So just as we close this morning, I just want to, ask a few questions for us to think through. Are there steps that God's called you to, moments that he's captured your heart and said, we're going to do this, that you need, to, you need to put some action to that moment of grace, 
It was great that God showed up, but he still wants to do more, that there is still more for him to do in your life and in your future. God is not done working in you, and he wants to lead you to do more. I hope that you then walk out that plan in your life, whatever it is that he calls you to, or to use the language from Matthew 13. Have you sold everything? Maybe not necessarily physically, unless he calls you to do that, then go do that. But have you given away your life to trade it for his, to have his life leading you, to have his word working inside of you? This is the most important decision that you would ever make. And in a moment, we'll close with a time of prayer. And if God's been stirring inside of your heart to say that there's something new that he wants to do, I'm going to invite you to pray along with me. You'll have a chance to give away your life, to sell everything in this moment and say, I want Jesus to take control. I want that field. I want that treasure that's hidden there. I want to start pressing on towards the prize that Jesus is in my life because he's going to capture some hearts this morning. Start some new adventures, some new journeys, some new direction for some of us. And so I want to invite you to pray with me. Let's pray together. Lord, I just thank you that you choose to love us and shower us with your grace when we don't deserve it, when we actually work against you and in the wrong direction, that you continue to pour out grace and love and blessing on us. And so, Lord, I just pray that right now that you would, Father, capture people. Just as Paul said in verse 12, that you would take hold of us and that you would give us mission, vision, direction for all that you have to come in our lives. Come, Holy Spirit. Father, speak into hearts even right now. And if throughout this morning God's been capturing you, touching you, working in your heart, I want to invite you to say a prayer with me, maybe for the first time, to invite him in to be Lord over your life, to be in charge of your life. This is that moment of selling everything to buy the treasure. This is that moment of saying, I'm going to press on to get the prize, which is the relationship with Jesus. And if that's you, I just want to invite you to pray along with me. He hears your prayers, he hears your thoughts, and you could just say something like this. Say, Jesus, I need you. I see that you're working in me, and I want to change direction. Not my plans anymore, but yours. I say you'd forgive me for I've done my own thing. And I pray that you would give me some new steps to take. In Jesus' name.